Well, let the geek in the pink show you champ status. If you wanna get this belt, Paolo, come grab it. I may be skinny in size, but I beat tons of guys. Give me the chin and I'm a jab at it. Well, isn't it audacious crazy what you're predicting? Apollo, listen to this. You're gonna miss me when you're hidden. Meanwhile, I'll be sticking and moving. No matter what you're gonna do, I promise you'll be losing. See, I don't care what you might think about me. You can't. Even doubt me if you want I am gonna bring this belt back home Paolo, you are going home alone But first you'll get this beat down You never get a takedown Well, Paolo, let me tell you what you already know I'm gonna be the one to knock you out Then you can go back to chasing cloud I'm the last style you'll bender You're just a pretender And you can get the fuck out of the way Of the geek in the pink Fuck Pello, y'all. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast. A podcast for the above-average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. And if you're tuning in for the first time, you're in for a hell of a ride. This is going to be one of the most important episodes I've done. Uh, There's a lot of important things I really want to talk about. And if you've been listening to me over the past couple of months, you probably have a good idea of what that is. Um, That said, that song that I used for the intro, I actually wrote the whole damn thing. Believe it or not, I rewrote the entire fucking song, three plus minutes, and I was going to do the whole ass thing for you guys because I love you. Then I realized, eh, Costa fans are really not going to want to sit through that, and uh, some of it was a little corny if I'm honest. Because uh, that's what fucking happens. Um, and so I'm thinking about starting a Patreon, by the way. And if I do, one of the first things uh, that will be up there will be that full song, which I'm going to do. Uh, so look out for that if that's something you're interested in. Now let's talk about UFC Vegas 11. Um, I'm not going to do a fight-by-fight recap anymore. We've been over this. But I, but this one had so many phenomenal performances and finishes that I want to highlight some of those before I get into what I want to talk about. First of all, great knockout by Tyson Nam. Beautiful head kick KO from Randy Costa. Um, very quick and nasty guillotine by Derek Minner. Holy shit. I actually tweeted out. I was like, he... He might fucking uh, fuck this guy up. I think he's going to maul this guy. But then I was like, oh, should I tweet that? Uh, and then he got like a 50-second submission. I was like, yes, dude, yes. Damon Jackson got a third-round sub over Mirsad Bekcic and then proceeded to like yell in his face. Some people hate that. I personally, I fucking love it because the guy had like had been hit in the back of the head multiple times even though uh, Mirsad was warned by the ref. Um, yeah. So I love that. I don't always love it. It's not like I love it every time it happens. Sometimes it's fucking goddamn ridiculous. But like, tell me when, um, when even though I fucking hate him, when uh, TJ Dillashaw knocked out Cody Garbrandt in their first fight and he's just like screaming at him. I'm like, yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Um, so that's a, just a thing of mine. Um, Mackenzie Dern uh, took home a limb from her opponent. My God, Random Marcos, fuck, that was insane. Um, and that was like one moment where it wasn't like bad refing because uh, Randa didn't tap and she wasn't like screaming in pain. Uh, if you scream in pain, i.e. 
what happened in the main event, you know, it could be considered a verbal tap. She wasn't doing that, but I was like, Mackenzie's breaking her fucking arm. Like, Randa was too tough for her own good, and she had um, an interesting defense where she was putting one of Mackenzie Dern's legs uh, sort of in between her legs. Usually when you have an armbar, you use both legs to get the leverage. So she wasn't able to get the full leverage. However, Mackenzie, being a fucking ace of a black belt, just sort of miles above anyone else in her in her division, really in um, in the way all the women's divisions, quite frankly, for the most part, um, used her other thigh to kind of like be the fulcrum and just push down on the other part of uh, of Randa's arm. I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to break her fucking arm. I was like screaming at the TV. Um, so so kudos to Mackenzie Dern. Johnny Walker with the nasty KO of Ryan Spann. Um, it was almost uh, a short night for him. They were both kind of flip, flip-flopping around. Um, wild fight. Johnny Walker back to his winning ways. I love to see it. Um, I haven't really given up on Johnny Walker. I haven't. I got to be honest. Um, I was really excited for his debut. Um he was known for, you know, doing those like kind of long walkouts where he was doing like a strip tease, gotta say. Love that. And uh, he kept that up and then was knocking dudes out in 15 seconds. I did a fucking whole episode on him on my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions, which only three other people have heard because it was the three other people involved in the episode. It was my good friend, Andrew, who was my co-host in that, our friend Leo, who would join us for episodes sometimes, and our friend Steven, who doesn't watch MMA at fucking all, um, but he had um, joined us uh, for another episode where we reviewed Proper 12 Whiskey because he's a whiskey aficionado, and I was like, well, why don't we do an episode on Johnny Walker and review like Johnny Walker Black Whiskey? Um Stephen was like, that's the best whiskey for the money in the Johnny Walker like brand, you know, because like Johnny Walker Blue, I think that's the name. That's like the the one that's like top, top shelf and it's like a few hundred bucks or whatever. But he's like, for other whiskeys, like it's kind of shit. He's like, but Johnny Walker Black is like really good for the money. And I happen to fucking love Johnny Walker Black. Um, so we had a great episode and the audio was like corrupt. It sounded terrible when we... Um, when we listened back and we couldn't uh, put it out for that reason. I was so sad. Um, and then that podcast kind of ceased to exist after that, which is really sad. Um, and then I got this show, which you're welcome. Uh, anyway, Hamza Chimaev knocked the fuck out of Gerald Mearshot. And, and my God, this was a nasty KO, what, 17 seconds? And I said earlier that I was pulling for, for Gerald. And I'm not sort of like flip-flopping here, but I never was like, hating on Hamzat necessarily and I, I certainly wasn't saying he was a overhyped you know fighter uh, a lot of people were saying that, that they didn't think that his wins over Phillips and uh, Reese McKee were worthy of uh, of hype in, 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 a, in a sense but I was like you know no matter who you do it to the, the ragdolling those fucking guys and doing it in two weight classes in 10 days notice like that's fucking something man I just thought it was super Super disrespectful to Gerald Mearshart to to announce that they afterwards they want to book him against Damian Maya, and that Gerald Mearshart uh, is nasty on the ground, and that's where Hamza likes to take the fight. Well, Hamza was like, "It's not going to the ground. I'm going to pu- punch the fuck out of you." He pumped a double jab, which I don't even think landed, and then hit him with a big right hand. Uh, that was all she wrote. Um, my man's folded like a lawn chair. Wow, nasty, nasty KO. Um, kudos to Hamza. And that's that's it for uh, performances I want to talk about. Now, this is uh, there's a few stories to emerge from this, 
which I want to give time to. And the first is uh, Chris Tyone doing a fucking shit job, in my opinion, in the fight between Jessica Rose Clark and Sarah Alpar. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, By the way, Sarah, congrats on the wedding. Um, Apparently, they announced that Sarah is getting married in a couple of weeks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jessica Rose beat the fuck out of her, okay? Got her up against the fence. I don't know if she was uh, looking for like a Muay Thai plum or something. She was pulling her down. Um, Sarah was dropping down maybe from one of her, maybe from one of Jessica's elbows or, or uppercut or something she threw. I'm not sure what happened. Sarah starts to slide down the fence when she is just like probably half a foot from the ground. Um, Jessica landed a knee, which busted her face wide open. Chris thinking that Sarah had hit the ground already, uh, in which case if she had, it would have been an illegal strike. He separates them immediately, calls in the doctor. Well, at some point during that kerfuffle, uh, if I can use that word, they checked the instant replay and it was discovered that it was a legal strike. But Chris was like, well, no, I, I didn't wave off the fight. Like, can you continue? Ask so Sarah can continue. And then the fight was was restarted. And Jessica had to, had to get a second finish in a sense. Terrible, terrible job. First of all, they need to clarify the rules on instant replay. Okay, because uh, if it wasn't last card, I think it was the card before um, they put something up on the on the screen right before the prelim started, uh, maybe even before the main card. They always do this where they where they say, oh, just as a reminder, the Nevada State Commission has adopted the, the newer set of unified rules with the exception of the ground fighter rules staying the same. And they mentioned instant replay and they put something on the uh, on the screen. And usually what they say is that the use of instant replay uh, is only allowed in a fight ending sequence. Like once instant replay is evoked, the uh, the fight can no longer be restarted. Well, they put something up at the graphic a few weeks ago. Uh, like I said, it could have been last week or the week before that made me think it can. The wording was changed. I don't know what it was. Go back to that episode. I, I'm pretty sure I was I was quoting it pretty much verbatim. But uh, I think it said it can be used in an in even in a non-fight ending sequence is basically what it said, um, which makes me think that someone is watching it. Now, um, after this fight, Megan O'Levy clarified with uh, the UFC and then tried to speak to the Nevesa Athletic Commission. The UFC basically said something throughout the week has changed in their ruling, and they didn't let us know that allows them to use Insta Replay because they used it and the fight was restarted. Megan asked the... Uh, representatives from the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and she was met with no comment, no comment, no comment. So they need to clarify this. I don't know if that was a fuck up on their behalf where they don't want that to happen, and it did, or maybe this is maybe this is just a result of, because they've always used instant replay on the broadcast. They've always shown it, and they've always just said, like, well, they, they don't have access to this, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if this is a result of there being no crowd and Chris overhearing it, and and saying it, it, it was a legal strike, but someone or or someone told him something happened there, and I think we need clarification because I mean either way, dude, you handled that poorly, Chris Tyone. Shout out to Tef Talks. His tweet was like defund Chris Tyone. <laughs> I, had, I had already tweeted like cancel Chris Tyone before that, and I was like fucking same energy. 
bullshit, dude. Just absolute bullshit. Jessica Rose did not have to get a second, should not have had to get a second finish. It should have been determined, okay, that was a great point to stop the fight. She was beat on the ground. Jessica was landing other follow-up shots, and the strike that caused you to do that was legal. What, what, what fucking universe does the fight need to be restarted? Sarah says she can continue. Of course, dude. How many fighters protest the stoppage? Just about all of them. Um, of course she's going to want to continue. But, you know, and, and how does that work? If she said no because it was a legal strike, does that mean that uh, uh, she gets the win? Uh, Jessica gets the win? I believe that's what happened with uh, Gegard Musasi and Chris Weidman. Now, worth noting, that was the New York uh, Athletic Commission, which, again, is different. You know, it doesn't set precedent if it's not in the same state, which is another fucked up part of our sport that needs to change. So I just wanted to talk about that and 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 bring this to light the controversy should not overshadow what was an incredible performance by jessica rose clark she beat the brakes off that girl and uh i was so happy to see little thick as she calls herself back to her winning ways big fan of jessica rose clark big fan of um australian post-fight interviews just in general um love all the aussies oi 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 shout out to shout out to anyone in that part of the world who uh have always supported me i fucking love you guys and that's my stance on that. I want to just put a pin in that because we have to talk about something that's uh, even more important now, which is what happened in the main event, or rather what happened surrounding the main event in the lead up, you know, and and afterward. And I want to just take the time now to share some moments in history in which sport and politics have collided. It's no secret that um, Colby Covington's gimmick, if you will, is to sort of weaponize politics and and create this persona or sort of around being like a MAGA guy, MAGA supporter, Trump supporter, and and weaponize that aspect of American politics. There are some people that even if they agree with it, they don't like this. And there are people like me who don't mind politics interweaving with sport, but use that as means by which to root against him. And I think it's worth noting that even if you are a Colby fan and you don't want the gimmick to to overshadow his skills, you know, I see a lot of people saying like, oh, why do you hate him? Because he supports Trump. Like he wants us to hate him. He, that, that whole fucking persona is created for the sake of division. It's created so that all the fucking uh, Trump supporters – are going to be like, yeah, that's our guy, bro. Keep America great. And all the ones that disagree with him are going to be like, fuck this guy. I want to see him get knocked out. I would not care about Kobe Covington at all if he didn't do this. Um, and so I think that's important. And I just want to get take a little trip down uh, memory lane into the history books to um, revisit sometimes in, um, in history when politics and sport collide. They cannot be separate. A lot of people say, I don't want sports and politics to mix. Uh, you're fooling yourself if you think they can be separate. And, and in my opinion, they shouldn't be. Um, I, I would like to give a few examples of, of when it has been very important that sports and politics uh, were mixed. Um, and also just sometimes that uh, maybe it wasn't so good, but it is what it is and we can't avoid it. So... Um, that said, I, I, I want to credit the uh, amazing journalists who have, have written about this. 
um, because I largely just sort of took what they wrote about and sort of paraphrased it in my, in my own sense. You know, I'm not a journalist. I am just a podcaster, and I like to, to, to speak my thoughts. But in this case, it's history. Uh, I need to go, uh, you know, back into there. So I'm going to cite my sources. Credit to Jessica Campbell of Legacy.com and Ethan Sachs, David Cadley, and Tim Stello. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, of NBC News. Um, and just a quick warning, there are some racially charged words that are going to be used in this sort of segment, uh, but only in direct quote. So I want that to be known. I mean, there, there are times when the, the, the N-word is used, and I am just going to say N-word. So you should know that. Uh, and, and if you know my sense on this, you go back to other episodes where I've said that the I believe the N-word is terrible. So 1908, the Olympics in London. The Swedish flag was omitted from a display above the stadium, and as a result, Sweden decided not to take part in the opening ceremony. Meanwhile, Finland had flag problems of their own. Since Finland was part of the Russian Empire at the time, the Finnish team was expected to march under the Russian flag. In protest, many Finnish athletes chose to march with no flag at all. However, most of the political controversy at the 1908 Games centered around the tensions between Ireland and Great Britain. Ireland was part of the UK at the time, and they were clamoring for their independence, so many Irish athletes boycotted the Games in protest. Attempting to keep the peace, British athletes, or sorry, British authorities changed the name of the team to Great Britain slash Ireland and allowed Ireland to participate as a separate country in field hockey and polo, in which the Irish team won silver medals in both. Still, many Irish-born athletes chose to compete for the United States or Canada rather than under the Union Jack. As a result, a lot of their accomplishments uh, are hidden in that sense. They're underneath either the United States, Canadian, or the Great Britain history books. And it's worth noting, guys, that um, the, the Olympics, there are tons and tons and tons of examples of where sport and politics mix. And I have not included all of them because this would be a five-hour podcast. I mean, no cap. It would be a long-ass podcast. If I, like, I would have to do several podcasts about the history of the Olympics and, and the corruption of the IOC and how um, it's always been a fuel for, for geopolitical uh, conflicts, in a sense. And, I, and it's also worth noting that I am an American, and I live in America, and so a lot of these uh, are going to be sort of presented with that bias, or or just rather they're just from American history rather than world history. But I wanted to include uh, moments like the 1901 games when it was not you know America that was at the forefront of that uh, sort of controversy, and uh, I wanted to include uh, other examples as well, which which I'll get into. In 1908, sorry, in 1910. Jack Johnson was the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. He was the first African-American to hold the title. White people were furious, and they were determined to find what they called a, quote, great white hope to defeat Johnson. Former undefeated heavyweight champion James Jeffries was chosen to be that hope. Hope. He had previously retired rather than facing Johnson and giving him a shot at the title. He was quoted as saying, I am going into this fight for the sole purpose of proving that a white man is better than a Negro. Direct quote from James Jeffries. Johnson won by TKO in the 15th round, sparking a nationwide wave of riots in which numerous black people died. 
Congress passed an act banning the interstate transport of fight films for fear that the images of Johnson beating his white opponents would provoke further unrest. This is this is crazy. The 1936 Olympics in Berlin are famous for the amazing athletic performance of Jesse Owens, who not only defeated his opponents, he laid waste to Hitler's claim of Aryan superiority. In Germany, Jewish athletes were barred from participating in organized sport as it was declared Aryan only. Though many called on democratic uh, governments to boycott the 1936 games or for the IOC to move the games out of Berlin, they continued and not one country boycotted the games. There are several other examples of politically charged Olympics, nearly all of them, but uh, for, the, for the time being, I will choose to omit them. As I said, there are many, many examples of Olympics, and it's worth noting that after this, um, in the coming decade, uh, all of the Olympics were boycotted by one country or another for uh, one reason or another. In 1967, Muhammad Ali was the greatest boxer on the planet and the undisputed heavyweight champ. He took a stand against the Vietnam War, refusing to be inducted into the U.S. Army on religious grounds, risking not only his career, but criminal prosecution. I'd like to to, to just uh, share some great quotes from Ali. He says, If I thought going to war would bring freedom, justice, and equality to the 22 million American Negroes in America, they wouldn't have to draft me. I'd join tomorrow. As a Muslim... Ali said he could not and would not fight a people who had done no harm to him. He said, My conscience won't let me go shoot my brother, or some darker people, or some poor hungry people in the mud for big powerful America. And shoot them for what? They never called me N-word. They never lynched me. They didn't put no dogs on me. And they, they didn't rob me of my nationality, rape and kill my mother and father. Shoot them for what? How can I shoot them poor people? Just take me to jail. He then spent the next three and a half years defending himself in court while not being able to defend his title in the ring. In 1971, Chauncey Eskridge argued before the Supreme Court that Muhammad Ali was a legitimate, conscientious objector forbidden to fight by a religion in which he fervently believed. Two months later, the court declared Muhammad Ali the winner. In 1969, The black players on the University of Wyoming football team planned a simple, silent protest. A year earlier, during a game against BYU, the BYU team members taunted Wyoming's black players with racial slurs. As the two teams prepared to meet in 1969, the black players on the University of Wyoming team decided to wear black armbands, not only in protest of the treatment uh, their prior their treatment the prior year, but also against the Mormon church's refusal to allow black men of the priesthood. If you guys don't know, BYU stands for Brigham Young University. It is run by the Mormon Church. And, like, solely. I mean, you might be familiar with, uh, and and if you're uh, not an American, you you might be familiar with how our colleges operate. Um, There's something called, like, state universities have, like, in-state and out-of-state tuition. Like, if you're in-state and you pay state taxes, you get a reduced rate. And if you're coming from out-of-state, you pay higher tuition, which I think is pretty bonkers. But, you know, it is what it is. BYU has um, in-church and out-of-church tuition. When they asked their coach, Lloyd Eaton, the day before the game, he not only said no, he kicked all 14 black players off the team. 
Now, unfortunately, that doesn't have a happy resolution, um, but there was a lot of protests and national outcry that followed that, uh, which was part of the civil rights movement. In 1971, the Nixon administration used sport to generate some positive PR and help smooth over relations between the U.S. and China. Though he's credited for initiating what they called ping-pong diplomacy, it was actually already starting between the U.S. and Chinese teams. At the 31st World Table Tennis Championships held in Japan in 1971, American player Glenn Cowan needed a ride. He was invited by the Chinese team to board their bus. China's greatest table tennis player, hope I'm pronouncing this right, Zhuang Zedong, got up and walked over to him, shook his hand, and gave him a lavish gift, a silkscreen picture of a Chinese mountain scene. Chinese premier, again, I hope I pronounced this right, Zhou Enlai, then invited the U.S. team to tour China and granted visas to foreign journalists to cover the trip. Months later, in February 1972, Nixon made his historic visit to China, and when he returned, invited the Chinese table tennis team to the White House and said the big winner on their trip would be peace and friendship between the two countries. 2002, Pat Tillman put his professional football career on hold to enlist in the U.S. Army. He did not make any political statements at the time, but many viewed him as a symbol of patriotism and bravery, a rhetoric that intensified after Tillman was killed. In 2017, when Colin Kaepernick and the NFL, pro, uh, NFL players were taking a knee during the national anthem in protest of police brutality, Donald Trump used Tillman as an example of what American athletes should be doing. To the contrary, a 2009 biography of Tillman revealed that he did not want to be used as a propaganda tool. He worried that if he were killed, the army might try to turn him into a poster boy, something he wanted nothing to do with. His widow released a statement regarding those using Tillman to make their point about uh, standing for the national anthem, saying, Pat's service, along with that of every man and woman service, should never be politicized in a way that divides us. Rory Fanning, a former Army Ranger who served alongside Tillman, went a step further, saying that he believes if Pat were around today, he'd be taking a knee with Kaepernick and the other NFL players, and said Pat cared about people who were exploited, uh, people who were oppressed. 2020. Following the shooting of Jacob Blake, the Milwaukee Bucks did not take the floor during a playoff match against the Orlando Magic. This is notable because the shooting took place in Wisconsin and Milwaukee is their team. This sparked several teams and leagues nationwide to stop playing. The players said, Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action, so our focus today cannot be on basketball. When we take the court and represent Milwaukee and Wisconsin, we are expected to play at a high level, give maximum effort, and hold each other accountable. We hold ourselves to that standard, and in this moment we are demanding the same from our lawmakers and law enforcement. So when I hear, I don't want politics in sport, what I really hear is I don't want other people's politics in sport. Or what I hear is, I prefer to turn a blind eye to the atrocities that are going on, and I would rather use sport as an escape. Well, guess what? Athletes use their platform to share messages they're passionate about. Colby's using his platform to talk about something he is passionate about, which is hate. Plain and simple. And so if, if I and my, and my uh, 
fellow comrades of, of MMA Twitter are, are choosing to, to disparage him for those views, that is our right. And it is your right to, to defend them if you are one of those defending him. And to anyone who chooses to ignore politics in sport, I would urge you to take a look at history and to take a look at what's going on around you and realize that this is a good thing. And that is where I want to leave this segment. Um, we're going to talk about some news. I do want to say that in between that, there's going to be a little bit of a uh, of an ad from a sponsor, but I don't know if it's going to be the, the one I usually play or there's a new one I, I recently recorded for um, Democracy Works um, and their tool that they devised called um, How to Vote. And that is... Um, it, it, it's just for charity. I, I I make no money off of it. So I, it's just a message that I'm sharing on their behalf um, and something I'm passionate about. So I don't know if it's going to play now or next. I don't know how to cue this up. I just wanted to say um, there's going to be something here. And then there's also going to be something after the news. Could be either one. Anyways, let's take a quick break. And we're back. Thank you for listening to that, whatever it was. And now let's talk about some news. Uh, first up on deck is that Michael Chandler got signed by the UFC. Uh, I got to be honest, this was somewhat shocking, um, yet not altogether shocking. Michael Chandler has been with Bellator for basically his entire career and has been like the face of Bellator. And ever since I can remember, anytime he becomes a free agent, there's always like a little bit of a dance. It's very similar. I mean, even though it's not two different, you know, sports, it's very similar to Brock Lesnar. Whenever he's a free agent uh, with WWE, he always flirts with the UFC and said, maybe I'll come just to get more money out of WWE. The same thing happens with Michael Chandler and the Bell Bellator and UFC. He's always like, maybe I will. But then also there have been times when he has said that he doesn't think the UFC will offer him the same money and that he's proud to be a Bellator fighter and, and there's all these other things. Um, but then he said, you know, I'll stay with Bellator if they sign other people. I want more talent. I want this. Michael Chandler, as much as he is trying to get as much bang for his buck, which he should, he's a competitor. And so he wants to, to test himself. Now I do think, uh, this is both in terms of, you know, I think he's getting more money and he's, uh, getting to face, um, what I view is, is higher competition, what the rest of the view, rest, rest of the world probably views it as, um, which is not to say that Bellator does not have. Um, you know, tough competition is that, you know, particularly in the 155 pound division, I think the UFCs is just a little more stacked. Um, that's my personal opinion. Feel free to disagree. So there's some fun matchups for him. I do want to say one thing that's a bit bizarre about this is that they have announced that he would be back up for um, the, the title fight that's going on between Habib and Gaethje. Now, I'm not um, altogether outraged by this. Like I saw a lot of people, they're like, I don't care what he did in Bellator. He does not deserve uh, a UFC title shot. I mean, it's not, it, they're not saying he's getting a title shot. Um, it's more, more so that he's back up. And I think it's important for title fights for there to be a contingency plan in place. And there have been plenty of instances where the backup did not get the next title shot. So don't jump to the, the conclusion that because he's getting this opportunity to be backup that he would be next. Um, I think they are trying to do other fights for him. They they have talked about the uh, Tony Ferguson fight. 
It's worth noting that when the Tony Ferguson Dustin Poirier fight was uh, on the table, and perhaps it still is. I, I'm siding with Dustin Poirier in the sense that I think he should get more money, and even Tony Tony Ferguson backed him, which is part of the reason why I think the the Chandler fight is not going to come to fruition because um, he feels that it might be disrespectful to Poirier for him to take another fight when they could have this fight and it would be a great fight. Um, but the, but the contingency was um, that if Gaethje had to pull off for some reason. Um, Tony would step in to fight Habib, so we'd finally get that fight. But if Habib pulled off for some reason, Poirier would step in to fight Gaethje because he has that win over him. I think that's pretty cool. Um, it's kind of interesting, you know, because especially like I hate when um, they say that they put another like similar weight class fight on the card between top contenders for, to be as a, a backup, but they never say who it is, and the other guy always feels slighted, and it just sort of feels like, you know, I don't know. It's always a little fugazi. I kind of like that. I kind that's why I still want them to to get that fight together, even though it's now going to be on on shorter notice than it was. Um, I still want to see Ferguson. Ferguson. I still want to see Ferguson versus Poirier uh, come together. That would just be pretty cool. Given that contingency plan, and just given the fact that it's an amazing fucking fight, now I do want it to be five rounds. I've said this many times, you know, and I, and I do believe that number one contender fights should be five rounds. Um, the commission can make that happen. Like the UFC obviously is a part of it as well, but it's not like they won't sanction a non-title five-round fight that's not a main event. I mean, the whole main event thing is up to their discretion. Like Bellator main events that are non-title fights are still only three rounds. It's it's not like it has to be a certain way. They can make whatever fight five rounds. All they have to do is to get the guys to agree to it. So it's it's something they should do in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see Michael Chandler in whatever capacity. Um, I do want to say, and um, a shout out to to Phil, the MMA dude, for putting this together. I feel like he was actually somewhat of a big part of it because when Chandler announced his free agency, Phil started creating polls and other things. Chandler responded to them and was getting engaged. And I think that sort of feels like the fans were a big part of making this happen. I think Phil was, uh, you know, sort of a driving force between that. So I think he gets credit. Um, that said, uh, one of those things that um, was initially talked about was Chandler versus Hooker. That's a fun fight for me. I got to say, I like that fight. But there's a lot of fun fights for him, dude. Like Chandler versus Kevin Lee, Chandler versus Oliveira. There's a lot of, even Paul Felder, um, which who I think is semi-retired depending upon the matchup. So, I don't know if that would get him out of bed. Who knows? Honestly, any of those matchups? I'd love to see it. And moving on, uh, this is something somewhat exciting that I want to really talk about. And uh, if you go back to episode 67 of this podcast uh, entitled Fighting with the Turbo Team, you'll remember that I had um, the gentleman on from my group chat. And uh, we just sort of broed out for a few hours, talked fights. I was incredibly high, so were some of them. Uh, it was a great-ass fucking time. Um, I don't know if we mentioned in that episode, but this is certainly something that's worth noting. Um, sometimes throughout the pod, throughout the not throughout the pod, throughout like just week to week, we'll add random people to the chat. Um, we've had Floyd Mayweather in there. We had Judge Joe Brown in for like a long time, you know. Basically, anyone whose DMs are open, you can add to a group chat. And we had, we added Joe Joe Brown for a while. 
um, until he, he became problematic. Uh, not in the chat. Obviously, he never responded in the chat, which is why I'm talking about this. But I saw a, a problematic tweet of his. I was like, guys, we got to kick him the fuck out. But before that, it was like, we got to be on our P's and Q's for just Joe Brown. He's keeping us in line. Uh, that did not. We kept him in line. Anyway, um, Floyd Mayweather, Dustin, uh, Dustin Diamond, not Dustin Poirier, but Dustin Diamond, like Screech, was in the chat for a while. Uh, Lil Nas X was in the chat. Um, just just a great time. Just the fact that they were there, but, but they never responded. Well, Mixta Man, shout out to my homie Mixta, added in uh, the legend, Ensign Inouye. And after like a few hours... He just pops in and says, you guys are funny. And we're like, whoa. Started conversing a little bit. Um, asking him about the fight stuff. And this is coming bring around to fight news. Um, he has a protege that he's training, uh, a former sumo wrestler by the name of, I asked him for pronunciation. He hasn't gotten back to me yet. Um, Suyoshi Sudario. Um, I hope I'm getting that right. Um, anyway, he's fighting in Ryzen 24 um, this Sunday the 27th, a week from today. I'm tuning the fuck in. Um, I think it's like at 3 a.m. my time. I don't usually do that. I, I hate getting called a casual for wanting to sleep. Like I hate when they put on early-ass fights. It's it's quite frankly uh, a form of punishment to have fights that early. It's just like, I don't know. But I'm getting my ass up for these fights. Um, I want to see Anson's boy. This is awesome. And uh, the guy's a fucking unit. Like look him up. Like wow, dude. He's like so just jacked and um it feels like an athletic heavyweight that um has wrestling accolades could do really well in the heavyweight division now i know it's like like sumo is different and i'm not gonna sit here and be like skip bayless when he was like it's called wrestling sumo wrestling definitely not sumo um but this guy is sumo and um i don't know instance teaching him how to integrate that to mma you'd love to see it so a shout out to Mixta for making it happen. And shout out to Anson for being a part of our fucking group chat. That's pretty awesome. Also added in uh, Mark the Hammer Coleman. Um, you guys may know. He's a big uh, he's a big Browns fan. They're talking about the, the Browns. And I'm always like, guys, I don't know fuck all about football. Um, so I just let them like bro out about it. I'm like, yeah, dude, go Vikings or whatever team we're talking about this week. Um that's that I, I I now move on to a bit of somber news, and that is um, the the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, aka the notorious RBG, was um, was just recently, and it's it's got me a little broken up, man. Um, I'll admit that it didn't hit hard as the hit as hard as the Chadwick one, but I feel like it should have, um, and it definitely you know it's going to impact our world greatly. Um, Supposedly, her dying wish was that um, she does not want her successor to be appointed until the new president is sworn in January, whoever that may be. Um, even if it's the current one, like I, I think she just wanted to wait just to see how things play out, which I think is important. Um, one of my favorite justice quotes is... Um, I'm I'm going to get this wrong. This isn't a direct quote, but um, when when asked how many women on the Supreme Court will be enough, she said it will be enough when it's all of them, when all nine justices are women. I think for for several several years, it was all men and no one said anything. So maybe it's time for all women. 
I just think she's just such a champion for um, feminism and equality in general. Um, I don't have the specific um, bills or anything cited, obviously. I mean, she did like hundreds. She, she'd been on Supreme Court for a long, long time. I think she was inducted in the early 90s um, or sworn in or, or what have you. Chose appointed. That's probably the word. Um, and she's done so much for like abortion and uh, like voting rights and things like that, which are just so, so important. Um, marriage equality is another big one um, that she was behind. So um, the world lost a, a very, a very good person um, recently. And, um, you know, Justice was uh, also a hero of mine because she overcame cancer, I think, five times, dude. That's a fucking lot, man. <laughs> like I'm sitting here at two. Being like, yeah, you were given five times, and and as I said with Chadwick, I believe it was colon cancer, like very much harder than what I dealt with. So she's a fucking beast. She's a hero, and uh, I just want to celebrate her. I wish I had uh, something more more positive to end on, other than let's celebrate her life and legacy. But you know, RBG man. I love you. Go out and vote. Whatever your belief is. I said this before and I and I, I, I don't know if it was included in the in the ad that was before the segment or if it's going to be after. No matter what your your stance is, make it heard. Make it matter. You know, too, too many elections are lost because of voter turnout. And I would hate for anyone's views not to be heard this election. This is probably the most important uh, of our lifetimes. You know, and not just the presidency. There are many other things on the ballot that that deserve your time. So, so go go and check those things out. And with that, we are going to take another quick break before we move into the forum. All right, it is time. For the forum, my favorite segment, your favorite segment, where you get to hear from all the different voices of MMA Twitter, not just by me reading what they've said, but most of the time you get to literally hear them, which is pretty damn cool uh, that people take time out of their day to send me a recording of their voice to be heard on the podcast. I really love that. So um, thank you for everyone who has, who has done that in the past and currently. Um, I've got a lot of people who previously did not want to have their voice, you know, be heard on a recording, get up the courage to actually send it out, which is, uh, you know, very humbling. So anyway, without further ado, I got some voicemails to play. Uh, a lot of you guys have been using the uh, the FWM hotline now, which is super cool. Um, again, if you're just hearing this for the first time, the number is 213 267 2057 and you can call and leave a voicemail that I will play on the air um, this first one uh, I got from the homie Brandon the Truth and I uh, got it a few days ago uh, before the fights happened and I asked him he said he still wants me to play it so here it is right now Yo, this is Brandon the Truth man I'm calling to say Tyron Woodley going murka man this weekend and Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter, my man. Dude, the best part of the lead up to this fight was that was that press conference when every question that they asked Tyron Woodley, he would just say Black Lives Matter. Oh my god, I love everything about it. When he was like, 
are you excited for this weekend? He's like, well, I'm just really excited that Black Lives Matter. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, oh, I just, I love it. I love everything about it. Hell yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited to be receiving more um, Go Merka Man messages from Brian and the Truth. So thank you for that, good sir. This next one is from longtime caller to the show, MMA Catfish. Hey, Juicy Baby, it's MMA Catfish. I know we talked about it yesterday on the Twitter machine, but I just can't help but circle back to Marcos and Dern. And come on, man. Like, in the post-fight interview, even Dern was shocked that Marcos went into her guard on purpose. I know, I know, you think I want everybody cut from the UFC. But come on, that is such bad fight IQ from a fight veteran who I'm actually a fan of. It's just incredibly disappointing. Also, FMP. It's always FMP at FWM. Bro, I saw Mike Perry tweet out. Um, I think it was during the Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart fight, which was a great fucking fight, by the way. Um, and, I, and I didn't, you know, I'm not recapping all the fights. I don't, I don't think anyone's asked uh, about this. I don't disagree with the decision, but I was, uh, I was slightly surprised because I didn't particularly score. But, but by the end, I was like, and I would say Kevin Holland's my boy. Like I wanted him to win. I was like, I don't know if Kevin won that. Um, so. I think even even Kevin, uh, you know, went over to Dana White and was like, you know, I'll do it again if you want. Like we can run it back. So, um, I to be honest, I wouldn't mind uh, watching that fight again, like in a rematch. Fuck yeah! But uh, no, I saw Mike, Mike Perry tweet out during that fight. He was like, black on black violence on the UFC right now. Man, fuck you, Mike Perry. You ain't shit, Mister Two Percent. Ain't got shit to say about Black Lives Matter. Fuck you, Mike Perry. God damn, I really hate Mike Perry. Um, I super sad because I used to love the guy. Like, I loved his personality and his fucking crazy-ass fighting style. But no, fuck him. Anyway, about your question, Seth, and thank you for sending it in. Dude, I, I was just as surprised. Um, and that's why... Well, I shouldn't say too surprised because I, I had to think on some level that Randall would be cautious of... Of of Dern's jujitsu and her ground game in general, but I knew that Rand, like a large part of Randa's success in general comes from her wrestling and grappling, and so like you can't just ignore that, you know. Like as a fighter, you have to have supreme confidence in yourself. So she had to on some level believe that she could escape the submissions because otherwise why would she do that? And yeah, fight IQ wise, like from the outside, it looks totally bad. Like we're sitting home watching, like, oh, if Rana doesn't go to the ground, like maybe her striking is better than Durance, she could take this. Nope. Nope. I mean, at least not in her eyes. I mean, Mackenzie's striking, and, and I will get to this in a bit as well, because uh Yugi had a great question about it. It's not great. But it it works for her because she's not worried about being taken down. Like when you're not worried about the threat of a takedown, it opens up your stand up a lot more, and um, 
like when people are worried about maybe defending a takedown from you and they kind of drop their hands, like Mackenzie Dern will throw these like wild shots that are just like not fucking technically sound, but some of them connect. And, uh, you know, Dern has, like I think about the Ashley Yoder fight, I think like her, I think that was her debut. It might've been something else, but she, she just kind of went wild and was catching her with some shots. So, you know, um, it, it works for her. So, even as as someone who has seen both of them fight and say like yeah Randa probably has a little bit better stand up, that isn't necessarily an indication of where the fight should take place because like I said like Mackenzie can throw these wild strikes that could catch people, and uh, Randa probably wants to do what she's good at which is wrestle, and that was all she fucking wrote dude like I I don't know why like like Mackenzie usually when she gets a submission in the UFC it's been like a bunch of chokes I think. But um, in jiu-jitsu, she was, I think she was known for a little bit, well, I mean, she's probably really well-rounded, but I think she was known for a little bit more like like um, joint locks and things like that. And I, I tweeted out right before the fight, I was like, I have a feeling she might collect a limb here. And that's what you fucking saw. Oh, that armbar was so sick. Um, but thank you, Seth. Um, oh, and I guess in terms of just to address like what you said, yeah, dude, it feels like every time like talking about like OSP and somebody like this motherfucker should be cut. Like this guy doesn't belong in the UFC. He's like talking about cutting everybody. But um, if they cut Random Marcos, I would not be sad. I'll just put it like that. Like if you like Random Marcos, um, I get it. That's fine. Like that's not one of those fighters where I don't see why people like her. I'm just not a fan. Just never been a fan and probably won't be a fan probably because she beat Ange as well like that's um tough for me to swallow i think um Ange of today beats the shit out of random marcos to be honest with you but um yeah i'll never forgive her for that probably hey what's up juice this is dave fretz at dave fretz matt solo shoes on twitter and instagram uh, i got a question for you today uh regarding chimaev don't at me sorry uh, I am a fan. Um, <clears throat> I just really like the, the passion and the joy that this guy seems to have for what he's doing. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, I'm being pulled in by the hype. Uh, because I don't really think that it is hype. Uh, we haven't seen really enough of him yet to, uh, to know for sure. But my question for you is, how far up the ladder do you think we need to go before we see a true test? I had a feeling... Um, Last night wasn't going to be a, a test, and I'm not just saying that now because of the result, but uh, in my opinion, Merchard is just too slow uh, for him. I've seen that in the past. He reminds Merchard reminds me of a, of a heavyweight oftentimes in the way he moves. I just I think he's slow. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, how far up do you think before Chimaev gets a really true test? And do you think there's anybody that's ranked right now that is going to jump into a fight with him? I kind of have a feeling that they're going to, start to have trouble <clears throat> booking a fight. Um, yeah, so let me know your thoughts. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Dave. Great question. You guys go give Dave a follow. Um, amazing, amazing um, graphic design. I really like one he did recently of Prince, which I shared on my Instagram. Love that um, edit that you did, Dave. <sighs> you know what you should do, uh, just on the topic of musicians, I don't know why this is like coming to mind, but you should do one of um, Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. I fucking love Panic at the Disco. And uh, I'm thinking of a clip I saw a few months ago when Brendan was at a concert of his. And he's like, on the count of three, we're going to scream, fuck Donald Trump. 
or he'll be like, Donald Trump can suck my dick. Like he's all about the fuck Trump train. And I'm like, yes, dude, fuck Trump. Um, so yeah, Dave, if you have some spare time and you're looking for something, do Brendan Urie um, from Panic at the Disco. You will not be disappointed. Anyway, such a tangent. By the way, um, you don't have to apologize for being a fan of really anybody, uh, I guess. <laughs> but uh, uh, I like Hamzat. And like I said, I I get the hype. And I, and I don't think that, um, I think the people that are like, you know, wanting to root for his demise are like not it or like ready to, to not whatever. But we have to remember that this guy is, only nine and zero. It was eight and zero before last night, and is nine and zero now. So we can't just throw him to the top fifteen of either middleweight or welterweight, um, and and just like sink or swim. Like you have to build him up with like records. Like I hate when the UFC when it feels like they're protecting somebody and they're like you know giving people like favorable matchups but at a certain point like there's a balance right there's a give and take you you, you can't give someone who's nine and oh like a high-ranked opponent they've only had nine fights although on the on the same token by the way um the the mirror shard hate i don't get that at all i don't think he's slow um so that was that was weird um to hear but uh, he's had, like I said, 40 plus fights. Um, I think 44 or 45, he's had a ton of fights. So, uh, if Hamzad can handle a guy with that kind of experience in only 17 seconds, maybe he is ready for a test, but it's not like, like he doesn't deserve sort of like the McGregor hype or the, uh, the Adesanya hype where they can put together like four or five wins and give him a title shot. Like I think he needs to a figure out what division he's playing in because he, he took a fight at middleweight and then said, well, I'm really a welterweight and then went back down to take a welterweight fight on 10 days notice right after his debut. But then he just went back to middleweight. So where, and then apparently he's going back to 170 against Damian Maya. Like, where are you, bro? Uh, Is this going to be like an alternating thing? Because if you're not stuck in one division, you shouldn't be given a high rank unless you're super. I mean, he's trying to be super active. Like if he keeps it up, I guess, but I don't know. It, it's hard for me to quantify. It's, it's hard to answer, you know, a guy that we've only seen so little of to say like, when should they test him? Especially if he stays at Walter Wade, which is like one of the most stacked divisions in the UFC. Like, can you imagine fucking Hamza Chimaya versus Muslim Salikov? I would have to root against Hamza for that. Like, wow. Hamza versus James Krause, also going to have to root against him. By the way, dude, y'all ain't shit. I tweeted out James Krause uh, with a fucking The Simpsons guy. I think his name's Carl in The Simpsons doing a fucking The Chef's Kiss thing. The where you kiss your hand, the fucking thing. And I was like, James Krause is... And he liked the tweet, dude. Oh my god! And then I, I, I shared it, and the fucking me resharing it, saying they're like, "Oh my god, I feel so seen." That got more likes than the original tweet. Yelling shit. <laughs> oh man, I fucking love James Cross. Uh, I said something about Matt Riddle in the Turbo Team episode that I edited out because it was pretty like 
vulgar and not something I want on the on the airwaves. But if the team is listening and um, Ashley, as I told her as well, um, what I said about Matt Riddle also applies to James Krause. Uh, so just know that. That's a little inside joke for four people. Anyway, moving on. Hamza Chimaev, future champion 2022. That's what I think. When, after after Kamaru is done and after Izzy has moved up to light heavyweight, then he can run those divisions. Until then, take a fucking seat, Junior. So that's it for the voicemails. And then I have some amazing, amazing voice questions to play from Anchor. Let's give them a go. Actually, before I play that, I want to play um, one from my boy, Harry Andrew, before I forget. Because I don't want to forget his question. It's a really good one. Hey, Juice. It's Harry Andrew. Just waiting for Tyron to come out and knock out Colby. I really hope this happens. Um, but my main question is, what do you think they should do with Cerrone? I mean, for me, he lost that fight. I know, obviously, it's a majority draw. But realistically, I think he lost the fight. Um, if Dodson can be cut, why not Cerrone? Get him over to Bellator. Get him away from the UFC. He's not even a gatekeeper anymore. Dude, this is a great question. So first of all, obviously, sad about Tyron not winning. Um, oh, man, that really um, put a damper on my night. However, the cowboy thing. So I was actually having this conversation with uh, Zach, I believe, from from Scotland. Shout out to you. And we're saying that, like, yeah, I think cowboy should retire. Um, but it's not based on this fight uh, because in the fight itself, like I got to be honest, I was expecting him to get knocked out. And I, I, I think part of that is due to the fact that um, Nico was giving him a lot of respect. Um, he said that he was like super pumped for the fight. Um, if you watch the post show, he was like, it was an honor to fight you, man. I'll do it again. Let's go. I want to, you know, like he was super like on his nuts or whatever. He was such a cowboy fan. And um, Cowboy was just like down on himself in the post fight. And he was saying like, this is five straight losses for me. And I was like, whoa. I mean, a draw is not a loss, but it's not a win either. Um, Which is interesting because like if they talk about someone's winning streak and they have a draw in the middle, they'll say like, oh, it's a... 13 fight unbeaten streak or whatever like boss Rudin, i think went, went on like a 22 fight quote unbeaten streak but there's a draw in there um there's a draw in there that's a congratulations reference anyway um there there was a draw in there and um i wonder if that also applies for losses it certainly does in um Cerrone's mind like in, in his mind he's on a five fight losing streak he's certainly on a five fight no win streak if we're wanting to play that same logic um but I thought like he did better than I expected. So I didn't by by no means like I didn't watch this fight and at the end of it being like, oh well, he looked like shit, he should retire. But at the same time, he's not that competitive in these fights. Like if you can be Nico Price, who isn't like no offense, and I know you all love Nico, like isn't championship material like right now anyway. Like Nico can put on some fun ass fights and he can knock dudes out and we love him. Um 
But if you aren't beating Nico Price, you shouldn't be fighting. Like as a as a vet who's who's had multiple title shots, who's been up there, who who's had all these wars, like well, with all due respect, like retire. And, and and you know, it's one of those things where Cowboy wasn't having like the best run at 170, or he went on like a tear kind of where he where he had that amazing fight against uh Rick Story. He submitted Cowboy Oliveira like really quick. I think he was supposed to fight Tim Means. He he fought Patrick Cote. I want to say he knocked him out. Um but anyways he beat Patrick Cote. He did that like the one of the best um combos of all time uh against Rick Story. And um what was the other one? The war with Matt Brown where you knocked him out at the end. Then he turns around and says, I want to fight Jorge Masvidal in like a month notice after a war with Matt Brown and gets fucking knocked the fuck out twice because Herb Dean ain't shit. And um, that was terrible. And so that kind of like started like a string of like weird fights for Cowboy. Where then he went back to 155, had a great run where he beat the brakes off of Anthony Hernandez, who was a surging up-and-comer, then beat the shit out of Ally Aquinta, which I got to be honest, was not expecting. And then he has this... Uh, weird fight with Tony Ferguson where he was going to beat the fuck up and they stopped it not because of that, but because he blew his nose. Uh, and then he goes against knocked out by Gaethje and knocked out by Connor. And now he is on the other fight where he's not that competitive in these fights. And I just think he has nothing to prove. He's been around, he's set records. He has, um, you know, a case to be a Hall of Famer, which is rare of a someone who's never won a UFC title to, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Retire. Like, what else are you going to do, bro? Like, I know you've kind of made fighting your identity at this point, but just, just retire. Just retire. So thank you for that question, Harry Andrew. Go give Harry uh, a follow at HarryAndrew94. All right, we're moving into the uh, anchor voice questions. Take it away, my man Kairos. This is a question about Hamzat Shemaev. Now, I rewatched that fight. <laughs> that wasn't a fight. <laughs> I might as well call that an exhibition. <laughs> I rewatched that exhibition. <laughs> and. In your personal opinion, do you think that Gerard was so fixated on being taken down that he was waiting for the shot to come? So then when that straight hit him, it completely took him off guard. Or do you think that Hamza just has that power like that to sit people down? Because I've seen I've seen previous fights from him and it seems like he has power, but I ain't never, <laughs> never in my life <laughs> seen him use that type of power. So I'm not trying to sit here and discredit that man. That was a phenomenal performance. But I just want to know, do you think he has power like that? Or do you think that there is a little bit more to the story than that? Thank you. Well, this is a really uh, great question. Thank you, Kairos. Go give him a follow. Go check his stuff out. Though if you're listening to me, you probably already follow him. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, I honestly don't know. Uh, I think it's both. Here's why. So um, actually shout out to to Yugi uh, MMA who did a great thread on Hamzat when he was facing Reese McKee. He was like, I listen, I watch all of Hamzat's fight because he does like these threads every now and then for like betters. Um, and, uh, he'll, 
what he does is he'll like watch all the fights of of each fighter and see if they have a hole that the other one can exploit and vice versa. And he was saying like all of Hamzat's fights, he throws like a big strike, like an overhand or a head kick, and then he'll shoot for the takedown right away. And Gerald, in his interview with Ariel Hawani, when he was like feeling disrespected, he was like, I'll watch all of his fights. All he does is throw a big strike and goes for the double leg right away. Uh, that's it. He goes to the big strike and then he goes for the takedown. He's like I can, I can defend that. So I think he was waiting for that. I do think he was. I don't think he was necessarily worried about getting taken down. So like I said, I think Gerald was actually maybe even hoping to get taken down because he can get a choke that way. Um, but he certainly was like waiting for that sort of game plan. And yeah, that definitely opened up the, the striking. Though I do think like, uh, I've never seen Gerald get knocked out like that, and I've seen him face, uh, in my opinion, heavier punchers. Uh, Trevin Giles comes to mind and uh, other opponents he's had, and I do think that you have to have the power to knock someone out even if it, they kind of don't see it coming. So it's a perfect story. It's a little bit of both. Uh, but thank you, Kairos. I think that's a very interesting question. I don't think we're going to see a lot more knockouts from Hamzad unless he... Um, falls in love with his hands and starts trying to do it more. But you got to remember, like, this is one of the reasons why I'm willing to be on the Hamza train in a sense. Um, even though he supports, you know, fucking terrible dictators like uh, Ramazan Kadyrov, and that's very fucking problematic, and, and people should not ignore that at all. Um, so, hello, heads up. But um, motherfucking John Gooden was saying how he, he used to go out to All-Stars, like, years ago, and... Um, uh, Hamza used to spar kickboxing with Alexander Gustafson and wrestle with Alir Latifi. I mean, these are like big ass dudes that he was holding his own with. And if you are a lighter weight class and you can go with those guys, you have my fucking respect. Um, even if you're the same weight class, like those are elite in my opinion. And that's what Hamza was doing. Even on the Wokas, I heard uh, Darren Stewart, um, they had Darren Stewart on, and he was like, oh yeah, Hamza. Yeah. Oh yeah, Hamza, bruv. He's fucking amazing. He's a beast, yeah. Yeah. I went out to All Stars to get some wrestling and he's fucking taking me down. Like, that was a terrible um, dialect, but um, Darren Stewart has that really thick, like, East London. Um, fucking A. Yeah, dude. Um, I think it's both. I think it's both. Because he's a beast. Fighting with myself. It's fucking Smokey J here from Australia. Uh, Miss Jessie Jessman, Jessica Rose Clark versus Sarah Alpa. What the fuck was up with Chris Tyrone? What what do you think that dude was thinking, man? Like, she fucking got dropped. It did look a bit illegal, but fucking... What's the go with restarting the fight? Um, have you ever seen that shit before? That fucking blew my mind. Uh, next question is fucking we got um got Izzy and fucking Paolo banging it out for the fucking title next week and bit of a fucking Australian New Zealand invasion on the card there. Uh, we got me local boy Jake Matthews fighting fucking the nightmare Diego Sanchez and I wanna know how you see that one going down, man. That's all. Bye. Bro, I haven't even seen that fight because I like I said I'm not doing um, predictions anymore or previews. 
Jake Matthews versus Diego Sanchez is a hell of a fight. Jake Matthews is going to beat the shit out of Diego Sanchez, bro. Like, I don't give a fuck what you think about Diego's, like, legendary career or whatever. What's going on lately with him and that fuck Joshua Fabia? He's going to get murked. Jake Matthews is going to go in there and beat the shit out of him, dude. Like, Jake Matthews is good as fuck. Uh, I love Jake Matthews. So shout out to you, Smokey J. You uh, have been uh, absent from the forum in, in recent weeks, so I uh, I always feel like it's not a it's it's not the best it can be if it's not a Smokey J inclusive forum. I love those bong rips, dude. I love fucking your questions. Um, and you already kind of uh, heard uh, me in the beginning address the the Chris Tyone bit. Weird as fuck. I think what needs to happen is is reform. We need to change the rules. To allow a little bit more clarity in the, in the form of instant replay because it's so easy and we have the technology to do it to have a second ref cage side watching a monitor to if they see something that they can then inform the ref uh, what the fuck is going on. If nothing else, to to call them on bad calls like with this fucking Christianity situation, not just with what happened last night, like say he stops the fight and and. And immediately the ref who's been watching like, oh, actually that was legal. Um, so you can restart the fight or or call it because that should have been a fucking TKO. That's what I meant to say. Um, but the Ed Herman bullshit, um, the, the ref, uh, the secondary ref watching the screen could have been like, oh, actually it was a body kick. Fuck you and fuck Ed Herman. Um, it actually should have been uh, a fucking – TKO for 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 Mike Rodriguez. Like that shit can happen easily, and the commissions are too pussy to institute that shit because they're run by the government, and the government are fear based and control based, and they don't fucking want any progress. They're resistant to change, and um, I don't know, fucking businessmen and create uh, businessmen are the enemy of creativity. How about that? That doesn't really have to do with anything. That's just my diatribe about that shit. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Juice and all you juice heads. Hope you're all doing well. My question for you this week, Juice, is, uh, we think it's next from Kenzie Dern. Look damn good this weekend. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, that's my question for you this week. Holy fuck. That's my question for you this week. What's next for Mackenzie Dern? Really great work. You know we love the podcast. And you know it's always for 20 motherfuckers. Peace. Hell yeah, Jim. I love that he was like taking a hit in the middle of the fucking question. What a legend. Um, honestly, I would love to see her against uh, Virna Janjiroba. That would be a fun fight. Um, um, I also wouldn't mind... Seeing her versus Karolina Kovalkiewicz if she is still fighting. Um, I don't know if Karolina is still fighting, actually, because she had that horrific eye injury in her last fight. I think she's maybe contemplating retirement. Um, I also wouldn't mind, and this is like controversial because I think Claudia is higher ranked, but I think Claudia last her last fight, lost her last fight, rather. Um, Claudia Gedalia versus... Um, Versus Mackenzie Dern would be a fun fight. Yeah. Or what's that? Uh, what's that girl that just debuted? Uh, Kay Hansen, or maybe even the 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 woman who lost, unfortunately, Jin Yu Fry, who's the atomweight champion from Invicta. Her versus Mackenzie Dern would be a fun ass fight. I love that. I love all of that. Put that in there. 
put that in there. My friends and I used to say that all the time. It's a reference to like a sketch video that they made. Like, put that in there. Anyway, that's funny. What's up, Juice? What's up? It's a good morning. It's a beautiful morning. I'm just laying here. My girl's listening to music and cooking and shit. Uh, I'm actually re-watching the card, and I was just wondering, how far do you think Mackenzie Dern can get with her current skill set? Obviously, she has out-of-this-world Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but her stand-up stand needs some fucking evolution, I'll call it, some evolution. I'm a huge Dern fan, so I'm not going to sit here and poop on her. But uh, how far do you think she can get in her weight class with her specific skill set, her being a specialist in one thing and not really showing many advancements in any other thing? She threw a fucking body kick and almost destroyed herself. So what do you think, man? What do you think? Big fan. And I'm a big fan of you, sir. You guys go check out Yugi's podcast, I Poke MMA. I actually sent him a, a, a voice question for his next episode. And I'm, I'm, I'm usually sending in questions to this show because I love it and uh, I want to participate. Um, man, dude, here's the thing with Mackenzie Dern. And I was thinking about this actually. I didn't even ask this, but I would love to see her change camps. Um, either... Go to AKA. So right now she's living, I think, in either LA or Huntington Beach with her like surfer baby daddy, um, because they can like raise the family there. And I didn't say baby daddy. I don't know if they're planning on getting married. Like I didn't mean like that sort of situation. They seem happy. They seem in love. It's really cute. He might have been even in her corner. It looked familiar. Um, but they're they're in like sort of the LA area. I would love to see her. If she stays in that area, I would love to see her get in some work with Joe Schilling at the yard. Um, in terms of like Eve Edwards and those guys, um, Eve is 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 good at jujitsu. Uh, he could help her implement some uh, parts of her stand up, and then Joe obviously would help with the stand up, and or maybe cross train both these places uh, wherever Tatiana Suarez trains. I know it's somewhere in Rancho Cucamonga, which is not that far from where she is. Very very important for her to get the wrestling. Or then this is my main choice: go up to AKA. In fucking San Jose. First of all, Cynthia Calvillo is there now. Um, you can get in some work with her. But not only that, get get in some work with DC and and work on your wrestling so you can actually implement your jujitsu. If she even just like works in wrestling, which she kind of already has some fundamentals of, she doesn't need to focus on her stand-up that much. Um like, I don't know if it would almost be easier to make up the gap in skill on the wrestling than it would be in the striking. Because, like, she's at the point where she doesn't have a lot of time. Like, she's already on the biggest stage, right? Like, I remember following her uh, sort of start in MMA. Like, uh, she announced on, on Ariel's show that she was going to get into MMA. She had some early fights in like LFA and things like that. And she was saying like, oh, I just went in there. I threw some elbows and whatever. She was like training at the lab in Arizona. And it's now become apparent that she's just sort of, I don't know if she just hasn't spent that much time because this isn't like 2016 or 2017. Um, it would have been like early 2017 if it was 2017, but I think it was 2016 when she started. And... She's now just sort of like 
come into her own as a fighter and she's starting to develop some bad habits. So if she keeps on this road where she just like, yeah, I can just sort of strike and whatever, like she ran into Amanda Hibas and Amanda beat the shit out of her because um, Amanda has good jujitsu and takedown defense. So she was not about to let that happen. And Amanda striking is like really good for that weight class. Oh, I love Amanda Hibas. Anyway. Um, yeah. Um, Mackenzie Dern needs to, change camps in my opinion um i don't know where she trains now i was gonna say get in somewhere with king's mma but she may already be training there like that's the thing i don't want to say that and then she's already there and looks stupid <laughs> but um she definitely needs to go somewhere where she can get in some good wrestling and probably some muay thai so uh, maybe train with uh like i said aka or cross chain with like joe Schilling and then some Ta- tatiana suarez that would be that would be good can you imagine she would be a fucking force dude What's up, Juice? It's your boy. I say, dude, a lot. And I have a scenario for you. The next big UFC fight card, once we have fans in the stands, you attend the event with the wife, say, and the whole prelims, the seat next to you is open. No one's there. Main event comes. Guy shows up, sits down next to you, takes a seat, proceeds to call every single fight to the second, the decision picks all the winners perfectly main event ends dude jumps up runs out of the arena you never see him again do you spend the rest of your life when you tell this story convincing everyone that you met a time traveler or that you know for a fact the ufc is fixed (laughs) love y'all mma twitter love you juice haven't called in a while uh everybody have a great sunday go lions Oh man. First of all, thank you for your question. Thank you for making your return. I always love your questions. And this is an interesting one because first of all, I think you said when you said the guy sits down, you said the main event starts. I think he meant the main card because you said then he proceeds to call every fight correctly. Um, so it had to have been the main card versus just the main event. And dude, if that happened, first of all, you've you've put me in a rock between like a paradox because I either have to accept that fight fixing is a thing, which it's possible, but I vehemently deny any sort of like thing that the USC would ever be involved in that because of the whole situation with like Leo Kuntz and I think Taehyun Bang. His last name was Bang anyway, Bang and Kuntz, which is pretty funny to me. Um, in in the, in the Korean card, and um. Like whenever Bellator gets those allegations, they say, well, our lawyers are coming after you. Like these are serious allegations. You can't just say like fights are fixed. However, it has happened, especially in boxing. So I either have to accept um, something that isn't true, but is at least possible, or I have to accept something that isn't possible, but in light of what I know about the first thing could be true. Honestly, I might have to say I met a time traveler just for the fuck of it, just to say um, I met a time traveler. And and just because like I love that sort of thing, and I, I feel like eventually we are going to figure it out. It's like it's science. It's not um, entirely impossible. So we haven't reached that yet. And um, I would rather say I met a time traveler than I say um, the UFC is involved in fixed fights because then I'm. First of all, I would have like the Yakuza show up at my door or something. 
<laughs> or the well, the, the mafia. Fucking a. Juice, what's up, bro? It's Drew, aka Drew, just Drew, aka Juice Junior. <laughs> um, <laughs> love the show. Can't wait for my damn shirt. Um, all I really wanted to talk about from yesterday's wild show is Jessica Rose Clark tweeting a screenshot of her bank account with $17.70 in it, telling Dana White, you know, basically she'll do better next time because, you know, she assumed she was going to get the 50K or whatever. I mean, two two TKOs in one fight. She won the fight twice. What's up with that, bro? Peace and love, man. Dude, that's fucking wild. I don't follow the bonuses. I assume she got it. So if she didn't get it, that's fucking cruelty. Like you said, two TKOs in one fight because of Chris Tyone being a fucking terrible ref. Bro. First of all, thank you for ordering a shirt, by the way. Uh, he tweeted me about it, and uh, that made me super happy. Um, and I'm actually glad because usually when people order the shirts, um, I've sold a few of them. It takes for goddamn ever to print. And I actually just got the message like a few days ago that his um, is shipped already. So I'm like, yeah, can't wait for you to get it, bro. That is super fucking sad. And yeah, Jessica Rose Clark has gone um, fairly long without fighting. And um, the way their contracts are set up, they don't make money if they don't fight. But that's pretty fucking terrible for a UFC fighter who's had a few fights in the UFC, by the way, over the course of a few years in different weight classes for her to have 17 bucks in her bank account. That's criminal. I've always been an advocate for fighter pay and, and and the fact that people still don't think the fighter should be making more money blows my fucking mind. Um, they need to unionize. They need to collectively bargain. They need to get into some sort of agreement where they have a seat at the table and they can negotiate for better wages and just better working conditions. This is fucking terrible what's going on. I don't even have the the wherewithal and the business acumen to discuss like what it would entail. Um, I've talked at length about it with uh, Mixed Demand who knows a lot more about that stuff than I do. It's just... Crap. Fucking A, man. Thank you for your question. Go give Drew a follow at Drew Just Drew. Follow everybody. I always tag the contributors on my Twitter post. Um, so go definitely follow everybody. I always forget to shout out every single person after the question, but it, I don't mean to be like selective. Um, like, oh, fuck this guy, but follow this guy. Like, no, like follow everybody. You know, this is about building a community. Um, I just uh, wanted to give Drew a shout out. So thank you, man. Hey, it's Pamela from Wholesome MMA. Um, so, other than the main event, <laughs> um, I feel like even though a lot of the fights were like kind of happened how we thought what was gonna happen, the the level of which it happened in a way, I guess, is the only way I can kind of phrase it, is really interesting to me. And I'm kind of wondering what how you feel they're gonna mean for the division, like Mackenzie Dern and Strawweight. I was looking through their rankings, and I was like, I don't even know who to put her against, but she's, you know, that's, I mean, she's going to shake up that entire division, you know? I mean, I, 
and like looking at Shimev, um, how he would do. I think he was fighting at middleweight, but people were talking about him fighting people in the welterweight division, and I feel like people kind of jump around there. Jesse J looking really good. She's saying she only wants to fight at 135, and we all know who's at the top of 135. So what does that mean for her? I just, I'm really interested in how you think the, the divisions are going to go or happen moving forward, I guess. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to Pamela, part of the Threadhead Media fam. Uh, love for content, doing the astrology picks on the, on the fight cards. Super fucking interesting to me. It's usually about like confidence and like BDE and whether or not the stars align for you. I fucking love it. I'm here for it. And anyone that shits on it can fucking go, you go through me. Leave Pamela alone. Um, Jesus Christ, like so much to unpack uh, from what you said. These divisions are getting pretty stacked, especially the ones you mentioned. Like strawweight is probably the most stacked women's division. And uh, 135 is probably the second most. So it's interesting that you mentioned those two. And welterweight is one of the most stacked. Uh, which is where Hamzat is apparently fighting primarily, though again he's jumping back and forth. Um, middleweight getting more stacked as the as the time passes. Like I saw Impa Kisangane call him out, and I was like, "Ooh, damn! Would love to see that." So, you know, it, there, there's a lot of opportunity for all of those fighters. I mean. It's unfortunate for Jesse Jess. She debuted at flyweight and she had, I think, a lot of her fights outside the UFC at flyweight. But she she found that the weight cut was terrible for her. And um, I, I would hope she's getting to a place where she can now manage that weight to get back into flyweight because at flyweight, there's a ton of good fights for her. Like, I'm normally um, in favor of people going up in weight, but when she fought Panny Kanza, like, she just seemed, you know, pretty undersized. And when I think about the like what fights are for her at, at Bantamweight, there's not a lot that I would consider to be like favorable matchups. Like maybe Betch Kohea, um, but any, anything else, like look at what like Sarge Eubanks and, and Julia Avila just did. Like, I don't, I don't see, and I love Jesse Jess. Like I love Jesse Jess. I don't see her being competitive in those fights. Um, but I do see her being competitive at um, Flyweight. Like I would love to see her fight Roxy because I would love to see Roxy fight someone who's a good person and, and wouldn't, trash talker um that would just be like a really wholesome matchup you know wholesome mma um but also even like i know she had the fight with jessica I, but that was super close and jessica i fought for a title so i think jessica grows could just be more competitive at flyweight i hope that she is able to go back there and and stay there um so i guess that would be my and yeah, like cynthia Carrillo just jumped up to flyweight that's an interesting fight, those two. Or even fucking Jessica Rose and um, JoJo. Uh, Jessica Rose and, and Sunina Shevchenko and Chukagian. And, ooh, the list goes on. There's so many fun fights for her. Um, as far as Hamzat, you know, I do see him making waves in whatever division. But I, like I said, I think his um, inability to pick a weight class will ultimately be to his detriment in terms of building his rank and just making a clear run at a title. I know he said he eventually wants to be like a two-way champion and go back and forth, but like, bro, you got to get one first. Uh, like, I think he should try and make a run at 170. Like, try and like call out Vicente Luque, call out fucking Brian Barberina, those fights that are going to get you like names. Like, um, 
Like I said, Muslim Selikov, Eliseu Zaleski dos Santos versus Hamza Chimaev was a fun fight. Like all of these, all of these fights, uh, Li Jingliang would be a fun fight. These are ones that can get him, you know, into title contention, into ranking. And, you know, if he gets it, then he can then go up or stick to middleweight, like call out motherfucking Edmund Shabazian. Um, take the Impa Kasangane fight, you know, like you could, you could stick to one division and, and it would be more, beneficial i mean i don't want to tell someone how to run their career but it just seems like from what i've seen historically like they don't generally let people go back and forth that easily um clearly he can do it you know if you fought at middleweight and then went to welterweight on 10 days notice and they went now he's going back to middleweight and apparently he's going to go fight damian maya next month so like there's opportunities for him because of that you know the fact that he can go you know back and forth but like at a certain point they have a roster full of a certain amount of people and per division, like they have to, they have to put on a certain amount of fights per year. And I'm not gonna say he's taking opportunities away from people because, uh, like, you know, ultimately he's maybe creating opportunities by doing that to give other people. But by do, by being like a tweener, you're then instead of like two middleweights fighting, it's gonna be you and one middleweight or you and one other welterweight. Whereas really you're kind of in between the two and not just in one. Though I will say, if they made the 165-pound division, which I do believe they should, um, and then they made Walter Wade 175, that would be perfect for him, and he would probably stay there, I feel. Um, although, then it would probably be easier to go back and forth between the two. That would probably just be a whole fucking mess. Wah, wah, wah. Thank you for your question, Pamela. Hey, Juice. Sorry, I'm probably uh, running a bit late again. I had to get caught up with some day drinking. Uh, that's going well, though. Um, man, that was a really good card. That could have been a pay-per-view. Um, I'm sure you've covered everything by the time this may be heard. But I'm uh, <laughs> I'm spending the day smoking joints and drinking, and I'm watching other sports, and it's hilarious how when something goes wrong... In every other sport, they resort to fighting. Well, I don't know why the fans just don't go there first, right? Anyway, take care, brother. Love you. Have a great Sunday. Peace. Oh, my God. This is such an interesting talking point. First of all, you reminded me of two things that I forgot to say. One is that I meant, I meant to say this on Yugi's question because he had music in the background. He was like, my girl's listening to music. Whenever there's other noise in the background of, of voice questions, I'm like, oh, I wish they were in an area that was more quiet. But if it's ever music, no matter what music it is, like 10 out of 10, please keep it. And and like it just adds a different vibe to the thing. Like even when that fucking banjo came out, I was like, okay, okay. And that music that on Yugi's question, it was, it was a fucking vibe. Um and, but but I also re- was reminded of uh, because I just played the question from Pamela. She always likes my wife's input, and my wife actually watched these fights with me. But on our couch, for some reason, whenever she lays on the couch, like goes to sleep, and we ordered like a bunch of food from this bar near us that we like is a noodle area that we haven't tried because we just moved, and uh, I had these amazing like vegan meatballs that were made out of eggplant. Oh my god, so. And, um, bro, my wife knocked the fuck out. I think she saw part of the cowboy fight. Um, because I think when she woke up, she was like, did cowboy win? And I was like, no, it was a draw. 
Um, and she missed the whole main event. She may have seen like the walkouts or something because she was drifting in and out. Um, I don't know, but she wakes up. <laughs> I'm like feeding our cats because they have to have some medicine before they go to bed. Um, or Gusta's and like give the other ones a treat so they all like feel part of it. Um, and she wakes up. She's like, did Tyron win? And I was like, no. She's like, why? <laughs> I was like, why? Because MMA gods are cruel as fuck. And it was a terrible stylistic matchup because Tyron Woodley uh, doesn't know how to defend takedowns even though he's a Division One wrestler. Uh, but bro, back to, to, to D. Kron's. Um, Thank you for your question, man. And it's so funny that you're always a little bit late, but whenever you are, I am as well. So like most of his messages start out, I'm probably too late, but he's not too late. And it's interesting what you bring up about other sports resorting to fighting because that's one of the things I love about fighting is that it's so primal uh, because even disagreements in the street, like, right, we're, we're in an age on social media where everything gets recorded. Like if someone is being a fuck and not wearing their mask, people like put them on blast and put it on, on social media. Or if you have Richard Spencer being a fuck and uh, someone punches him in the mouth and it gets uh, viral and uh, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. You know, like things like that are prevalent in our culture. And so, yeah, I don't understand why people don't get it. Like we are in a sport where if people have a disagreement, like they uh, are contractually obligated to fight each other. They they have a an avenue to work out their differences. You know what I mean? And And part of the beauty of it is that sometimes they become friends afterward. It's like, they leave it all out there in, in those in these fights, and so when all these like soccer fans and other fans when they, they they resort to fighting at the end and whatever, and it becomes this whole like drama that the fans follow. It's like, hey, bro, we get a whole fifteen minute fight, multiple of them, some of them twenty five minutes every week. You should come check it out. I know it's just always interesting to me uh, whenever that's the case. But uh, love you, bro. Uh, hope you're having a good uh, good Sunday with your with your family. All right, and that's it for voice questions. As I mentioned, there are now multiple ways to send them in. Anchor, which is what you just heard. Um, you can record it on your own email to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com or you can call my hotline bling and I will never say that again but you can call the FWM uh, Google voice number and leave me a voicemail at 213-267-2057 and I really need to look that up if it's true. Um, that's just off the top of my head but I'm usually right. I'm really good at numbers. Um, but I got a DM question from the homie Phil, the MMA dude, co-host of the Split Decision Podcast, which hopefully will be making its triumphant return later this week. He says, question for the podcast. I want to know how excited you are for Jan versus Reyes next week. I feel like people are underestimating Jan significantly. Dude is no joke, and I expect an awesome fight. Who's with me? Um, first of all, I didn't realize until he sent me this question a few days ago that they were actually the co-main. I thought they had their own I don't think they were headlining the pay-per-view, I guess, but I thought maybe they were on another one. I guess that makes sense because I didn't think they were going to be on the Gaethje card and it should be a pay-per-view, it's a title. Um but I just this fight crept up on me. And to be honest with you, yeah, I I do agree that some people are are underestimating Jan. But here's the thing, you have to realize 
Rhea is essentially like should have won against John Jones. If not, he was the most competitive we've ever seen aside from me, the first Gustafson fight, which I, I maintain to this day that Gustafson won that fight. But Reyes had an incredibly good showing. Do you see Jan Blachowicz having that good of a showing against John Jones? I personally do not. Um, I know that's a bit of the MMA math. It's like, oh, this person beat that, but like, I don't know. I, uh, respect Jan's skills a lot. I do agree. Um, I do think this is going to be a, a very interesting fight. I think Reyes takes it, if I'm honest. And I'm not usually giving my picks anymore, but I do think Reyes has the edge. But I do see it being competitive. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun fight between them. And uh, I, uh, I'm i super hyped for it, to be honest with you. Um, light heavyweight fights can be like, you know, only a step above heavyweight, which is in all due respect, not that good usually. Like elite heavyweight is great, but not elite heavyweight, not good. Um, and with light heavyweight, it's kind of hit or miss. And but with uh, Reyes and Jan, I feel like they're high level. Like high level light heavyweight, banging. So I'm really excited for for this fight. And uh, yeah, much love, Phil. And that is it for other questions. I'm just going to make sure that I didn't miss any in any previous format. Um, I don't think so. So let's move under the FWM forum, shall we? Um, as I have been saying the past couple of weeks, like it's a new format on the on the on the Threadhead Media website, but all the other old avenues are still there. I think people have just been sort of. St- like confused about the new format, I guess. I, like, I don't know. Like, I I want to migrate the forum to Threadhead Media on the website. And it's there already, but not enough people are taking advantage of it. So my girl, Hannah, God bless you. Um, but I always put the link in a tweet, and you can reply to the tweet with your question that you always did. I'm, I've been getting a lot less questions, which is fine. Um, and I prefer the voice questions. They're always, like, the best part. But I always get some really interesting Twitter questions as well, and they just haven't been coming. Anyway, um... I'm just double checking that I didn't get any. Yeah, all the replies on the tweet are just like I've sent it in. So um, we did get one from, like I say, from my girl Hannah Brat MMA. Go give her a follow. She says, "Why do they say that Clownington? Where is it? I lost it? Oh, here we go. She says, "Why do they say that Clownington deserves?" a rematch with Usman. Usman broke his face. If you haven't seen their exchange during the interview, you need to watch it. So there's no need to run it back yet. Yeah, dude. I So I watched the um, their back and forth on the post, post show. I got to be honest. Like, I don't mind that. I personally think like Kamaru isn't as good at that sort of thing. He's definitely getting better. But I think putting those guys in that situation is a little bit like unfair because Kamara's in a situation where he has, he's supposed to be professional and he kind of has to be less professional when you're throwing him in that scenario. Like Colby's a, like the most unprofessional when it comes to that sort of thing in terms of like the topics he's bringing up and, and things he seemed by the way, so fired up. I got to be honest with you. Like, um, I've been acting my entire life pretty much since I was a, a little kid. Um, it's what I have a degree in. It's what propels me to this show every week and um, Colby's not a good actor. 
so when the whole thing started, I'm like, yeah, it's a gimmick. He's acting. I can see that because he's not good. Um, but lately, I think he's marking out for his own gimmick. And people even like said when it started, like, oh, you don't get it. It's just, it's just a gimmick. He didn't even vote for Trump. He voted for Bernie. First of all, I'm calling bullshit because I'm a Bernie supporter. And anyone that uh, fucking supports Bernie thinks Trump is a vile, human, piece of shit, evil dickhead. And I would never in a million years think that um, Colby ever voted for Bernie. So fuck you. Uh, but anyways, uh, this particular post-fight show, maybe it's because he met Trump at the rally like he was like, oh my God. He thought like Trump was like his uh, savior. He was like, thank you, Mr. President. And like had him on the speakerphone and it did not seem fake at all. Like my man was like, um, my man was like super fucking, I mean, not my man, fuck Colby, but like um, he was like super happy to be on the phone with Trump. And then he was yelling at Usman. This is the part where I think like he's now like marked out for his own gimmick and it's not a gimmick anymore because he was like, Fuck you, Usman. You're living on borrowed time. Next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. Like, he was so fucking angry and, like, just, just hateful and, and and really just not a good person. So, miss me with all the Colby gimmick shit because, A, it's a bad gimmick, and, B, it's a gimmick of terrible people in this country and that sort of giving that sort of type of people a platform is garbage. So, yeah. Um, and it's not just like, a, like being a hater, like Kobe fans are like, haters gonna hate, he's winning, great American winning machine. Like, bro, I'm not hating on people for winning. Like, well, 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 no, that, that's so dumb. So dumb. But, uh, this ladies and gentlemen concludes the forum because that was the only, uh, question I got, uh, from the, you know, forum in its inception. I, I genuinely want more engagement on this because it's, it's very easy. Um, and, uh, it's also a great way for you to leave voice questions that can be seen by other people beforehand, but they're only going to be like, I understand people not wanting to like leave a a video on the, on the, on the timeline, like Kairos used to do or still does with his own tweets or whatever, but in terms of the forum, like people would sometimes leave a little video on the tweet and like, I understand like not wanting to see that for people that don't listen to the podcast or whatever. And like you have something that you want to just address to me, but the forum on the threaded media website is only going to be seen by people who care and listen to the podcast. So it's a cool way for you to kind of interact there together. Like it's, it's all about building a community and, and interacting with each other as fans of, of MMA. So I encourage you to go there. My point is that on the forum on the Threadhead Media website, which is threadheadmedia.com slash forum slash fighting dash with dash myself or, you know, fighting with myself with dashes in between the words. Um, I mean, either way, if you just go to threadheadmedia.com, you'll be able to click on forum and then click on fighting with myself. It's pretty easy to navigate. You know what I mean? But I make these posts and you can comment. And on the comment section, when you comment, you can put a little media attachment, whether it's a picture or whatever. Like, I you know MMA Visual loves to put those pictures, right? But um, you could record yourself and attach that, which is, I don't know. I'm like diatribing here. Figure it out. <laughs> I love you. Um, and all the old avenues are, are open as well. So let, let's get some more of those questions, huh? And uh, I did say that moving forward, I'm not going to predict or, or break down or preview um, the next week's card. 
but I'm amending that a little bit because it's going to be selective. I'm really, 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 really hyped for next week's um, fight card. And um, I did say that the last thing would sort of be replaced by, um, you know, I, I was going to like talk about uh, like a movie or a musical that I was excited about that I wanted to talk about. I don't have anything yet and I'm working on it. So in lieu of that, I'm going to go back to the old way and I'm going to talk about some fights next week briefly. All right, y'all. Next weekend, UFC 253, Adesonia versus Palo Costa. You already know I'm Team Izzy. Let's fucking go. So this fight is going to take place in Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, which um, I actually think is a recent development. Um, I think when it was initially scheduled, I think they were they were scheduling it for the Apex. Um, so I, I'm so glad that it's at Abu Dhabi um, at Fight Island because the bigger cage. And um, while Israel is used to smaller cages with like glory, they use a small ring and he's fought in, in different things. I do think the larger cage benefits him for uh, it opens up more movement. So... Uh, Anything that is an advantage for Izzy, I'm all about. And of course, I can like spin it either way. Like I was like, oh, the small cage is going to be good for him because he's more used to it than Costa. But really, I think the bigger cage is better for him. <laughs> um, that said, there are tons of fights on uh, early prelims and regular prelims that I want to talk about as well as the whole main card. This fucking shit is stacked. It's a banger. I can't wait. Um, we actually have a heavyweight fight on the early prelims that I'm decently excited about. So Jeff Hughes is facing Juan Espino. And Jeff Hughes um, had that weird fight with Todd Duffy where Todd, like, you know, looked like he maybe wanted a way out. Not saying he quit, but um, I defended him a little bit and then everyone kind of clowned on me and I rewatched the fight. And I was like, oh, yeah, it looked like he fucking wanted a way out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, Jeff Hughes was was doing pretty well in that fight uh, up until then. Before that, he fought Maurice Green, and Maurice Green styled on him a little bit. So Jeff Hughes, I think, really has yet to show his full potential. And Juan Espino, if you didn't know, was the season, I want to say 28, whatever the last season of the Ultimate Fighter was, winner. Um, I think he was Team Whitaker. Um, was the Whitaker. It was the Whitaker versus Gastelum season. And uh, it was like heavyweights and female featherweights for some reason. What a weird season. And they got a bunch of bantamweights as well for that, like super super disappointing um but i got us macy chasson so uh love that love macy shout out to kairos is like yeah macy my girl yeah hype for macy yeah um i <laughs> love you kairos uh but yeah juan espino um i think has a good opportunity to win here but um this really it could be anyone's fight especially heavy, at heavyweight so definitely looking forward to that also super looking forward to Shane Young versus Nate Landwehr. Nate Landwehr made a fan out of me, bro, uh, in that uh, Darren Elkins fight. My God. Because I was a little bit disappointed in his debut with Herbert Burns, and then he came back and had that fucking banger. Oh, my God. Love it. Love Nate Landwehr. Super looking forward to this fight. I think Shane Shane Young is a local guy. By local, I mean, I think he trains with Izzy. I think he's a New Zealander guy. Um, Smokey J alluded to. This fight card being like a lot of, uh, you know, Australasia, Oceania, that part of the world. Uh, a lot of fighters from there on this card. Jake Matthews versus Diego Sanchez. Again, the Smokey J was talking about super excited for this because fucking man, Diego Sanchez is annoying the fuck out of me lately. And all the Diego Sanchez army on Twitter can fuck right off. 
Like it's almost like <laughs> I think Gator pointed out it's almost more exclusive to not get a follow from Diego at this point. Um Yeah, bro, fuck Diego Sanchez. Um but I also feel bad for him. Like he clearly needs help. You know, he's being uh he's being like misled by this cult guy with a terrible uh, just the whole Fabio situation makes me so sad. Like that guy's a piece of shit. Um, but Jake Matthews is awesome, and I hope he beats the fuck out of him, dude. I hope he beats the Fabia out of him. That's what I hope. Um, you know, Brad Riddell versus Alex De Silva again. Big fan of Brad Riddell, the city kickboxing guys. Know some shit we don't know when it comes to striking. I mean, most of the gyms know some shit we don't know, but <laughs> Brad Riddell and the city kickboxing know some shit that the other gyms don't know when it comes to striking. So um, we're team Brad Riddell on this one. I can not really give him picks anymore, but I got to go with Brad Rydell. And a banger of a fight opens up the main card between Zubaira Tukhogov and Hakim Dawudu. Big Hakim fan. Uh, I hope he beats the shit of Zubaira. Sorry, not sorry. I know a bunch of Khabib fans love him because he's Khabib's teammate. But anyway, Hakim Dawudu is great. Um and uh, this fight, uh, it's on the UFC website, but I have a feeling it's not going to um, come to fruition. I, I say that because I think it maybe got moved. Like Sajara um, just fought. I don't know if she can make this quick of a turnaround. If she can, God bless her. Um, but I fear because Sajara has missed weight many a time, and this might not be good for her, especially with the travel. Um, so I just worry about that sort of thing. Anyway, she's facing Kellen Vieira, and if that fight comes to fruition, it's going to be fucking nuts, right? Because Sajara Eubanks has heavy hands and nasty jiu-jitsu, and Kellen Vieira has nasty jiu-jitsu. So if they, if, they, if they do fight, this could be like another one that we just saw. I hope Sajara comes out to WAP again if she fucking, uh, if she fucking makes it to the octagon by the way uh i said this before but in case you missed it or you're listening for the first time if izzy wins i'm gonna do wop on the podcast i fucking am like i'll do maybe do it anyway if anyone wants to hear me fucking do that shit probably not maybe it's a patreon thing but like if he wins that's gonna be the intro so look out for that and in fairness i do have a contingency plan and I'm not going to put those vibes out, but if anyone thinking that I'm putting all my eggs in one basket and I don't have a backup plan, I do have a backup plan, um, but I'm not telling you. Um, I think the Turbo team knows, at least Mixta knows. He knew, he remembers, but um, there's that. Uh, so next up, a, a flyaway bout between Kai Kara France and Brandon Royval is super exciting. Brandon Royval just made his debut recently. I think he fought Tim Elliott. Um, that shit was nuts. And Kaikara France is always uh, must-see TV, in my opinion. So I'm fucking super stoked for this fight. And I hope Kai beats the shit out of him, dude. I mean, I hope they beat the shit out of each other because they, they kind of both have that style. But um, I want all of his teammates to do well, obviously. I was actually talking with someone today. I was hanging out with my buddy. She's not an MMA fan, but I was like showing him. He's a, he 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 likes some like nerdy stuff, and he we we're talking about Avatar. And I was like, oh, speaking of Avatar, like I'll always try and insert MMA into whatever conversation. I was like, oh, speaking of Avatar, the last style bender, um, right? And I was I was showing him some of his like like walkouts and stuff, and um, I was saying how you know Roxanne has a special place in my heart. Like she'll always be my favorite fighter of all time. Like that's it. 
But right now, Izzy is like slowly creeping up to be tied with her. Like, honestly, uh, I say that Izzy's my number two, but sometimes I just say like he's my favorite without saying like he's my favorite more than Roxy, but like I fucking love Israel Adesanya. Love him and all of his teammates. I haven't even gotten there. I'm already thinking about Izzy. Like I just, I can't wait to see Izzy in the cage. And uh, I really hate Paulo Costa, so fuck him. Um, but the co-main event of uh, this fight, as we were uh, alluding to earlier with Phil's question, is Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blachowicz versus uh, f- for the vacant light heavyweight title. Although they've listed it as a light heavyweight interim title bout, which is weird to me. Like, did they give John his belt back? Because John fucking tweeted. Um, keep it warm for me boys which would which would indicate like a vacant title the ufc needs to get their fucking shit together like this is why like i said i, I don't even know whether or not to trust like the kid in vieta fight is real uh like that could have been just listed there from before you know what i mean like i have no idea um but uh dominic reyes versus jan bohovich should be for the vacant strap either way it's a light heavyweight title fight whether or not it's interim is yet to be determined oh Probably not yet to be determined, but it's I'm yet to, to clarify based on what I'm reading on the website. But like I said, 99% certain it's the vacant title fight, as it should be. Dominic Reyes is going to beat the shit out of Jan Blavich. <laughs> I said earlier it would be a competitive, and it will be, but I don't see any areas that um, that Jan can have success. Apparently Jan is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but he has difficulty getting it to the floor, and um, Dominic Reyes has exceptional takedown defense and and submission defense and jiu-jitsu defense. Um, and he had that pretty uh, pretty nice submission over Jeremy Kimball, uh, which is not like like submitting Jeremy Kimball isn't like like some of you are probably like who's Jeremy Kimball? Anyway, exactly. But you know what I mean. Um, he has those skills, and I just think he he has enough athleticism to get the fight where he needs it to, and he has a lot of fucking power, dude. Like you know. Yes, legendary Polish power. Like, yes, that's fine. And I know Shay's listening. Like, she's like, yeah, Polish power is like it's real. I'm actually Shay might have listened, but whatever. Um, love you if you are. Uh, but yeah, dude, I think Dominic Reyes is gonna knock uh, Jan Bohovic out. To be fair, actually, it's probably gonna go to a decision. But I think it's gonna be like 50 40 well, maybe 49 46. I don't know. Uh <laughs> yeah, I just I just I favor Reyes heavily in this fight. And I, I know I'm being biased here. I do like Jan and like that picture of him with his like pregnant wife was like super, super cute and wholesome. And, uh, uh, goon had shared this video of Jan being in a forest being like, oh, I found this guy who was, he's hanging himself. And I thought he was maybe alive. He was just standing there with his feet on the ground, but he was, you know, I had called the cops. It was like super wholesome the way he was describing it. I was like, this is a fucked up situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dominic Reyes wins. Okay, the main event, we got to talk about it. Israel Adesonia Paulo Costa. This is as good as it gets, though. And I will say, um, I basically have given Paulo no chance in this fight, but he does have a chance. And that is the only time you'll ever hear me admit that. Um, because on the timeline, it's like, you know, fuck Paulo. But, um, and it's still fuck Paulo. But on the show, I got to keep it real and say he does have power. And um, he does have the ability to to end this fight. But Israel has that same ability. Um, he doesn't have like one-shot KO power, but he can walk you on the shots and he's knocked dudes the fuck out before. So don't, don't act like he hasn't fucking done that. He also has uh, more experience in five-round fights. 
And just in as far as combat sports in general, the man has had like 80 fights. So I think that experience is going to play heavily here. Um, yes, I'm biased. I don't give a fuck. Um, uh, Israel could be fighting John Jones, and I'm going to pick Israel. Like that's how much I love fucking Israel Adesanya. So uh, you heard it here first. Israel Adesanya, fourth round TKO stoppage against the eraser. Paulo Costa. And man, am I looking forward to it. Uh, like I said, I do have a plan for whatever, but as far as I'm concerned, next week, when you hear me, I'm going to be singing fucking whack-ass Paolo in the tune of Wet-Ass Pussy from the Cardi B Megan the Stallion song. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of our show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. Um, you can email me your tings at fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. That's another way to send voice questions. You can record it on your phone and email it that way. Uh, you can always send in a voice question by downloading the Anchor app and searching Fighting With Myself and sending it that way. Or, like I said, you can make use of the forum at threadheadmedia.com slash forum. Um, I guess that's it. Uh, oh, if you're listening um, on Apple Podcasts, which more than 50% of my listeners do, leave your boy a five-star review, huh? Like, say something nice, even if you don't mean it. Uh, even if you think I'm a piece of shit, say say a little review. Um, I think I have, like, one negative review, and it's from a fucking troll who doesn't uh, deserve to have my his name spoken on this podcast. But he put one star, but the review he left was like a positive review <laughs> i was like you ain't shit <laughs> like you're just trolling um but then i think i also had like one other uh one star review where they didn't say anything and uh that's important too but uh mo for the most part i would love to to hear something nice so it helps me helps the show helps it grow if you leave those reviews because that that's how people get seen and uh, without further ado ladies and gentlemen we're bringing this podcast to an end. So good night and good fights. <laughs>